I'm Shanna Hutchison, dietitian, blogger, and mama, born and raised in the heart of the Midwest. I believe that wellness goes way beyond what we eat and that our body size does not determine our worth. I am passionate about showing other women how to live a life they truly love, one that feels purposeful, that helps them feel their best physically, mentally, and emotionally, and that being a mom can be one of the best things you ever do without it becoming your entire identity. This is a place you can come to hear vulnerable and interesting conversations about health and wellness, motherhood, entrepreneurship, and more. If you want to find freedom with food, learn how to improve your overall well-being, and stop waiting for a number on the scale to start living your best life and go after your goals, then you're in the right place. I'm so excited to learn and grow together. This is the Wellness for the Win podcast. All right. Hello and welcome everyone to today's show. I am so excited to be interviewing my friend via Instagram for the past several years. Her name is Lisa and we have connected... I feel like, I don't know, five, six years ago maybe on Instagram, back when you were the well necessities, I had to think for a second about what your handle used to be because it's been a little bit since you kind of rebranded and I'll let you touch on that a little bit as well. But she is a fellow dietitian. I love everything that she shares on Instagram. She is truly a breath of fresh air. If you follow her, I'm sure you feel the exact same way. If you don't follow her, I think you will definitely want to after our conversation today. She is just so amazing and has so much knowledge and wisdom and just great things to share. And she's also a fellow new mama. Um, So we'll touch on all kinds of things today. So Lisa, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you and who you are as a person, as a mom, as a dietitian, and all of that good stuff. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Congrats on your podcast. So excited. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited to see you step into this this new arena, because like you said, you know, you and I've known each other for a long time. And I think that audio podcasting really provides a really fun outlet uh, for speaking your truth and reaching people in a really different way than, you know, Instagram or blog posts can do. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to elevate your voice too. Thanks for having oh, me. So yeah, you. I think you you did a really great introduction um, mm-hmm. by school by, by paper. I'm a registered dietitian, but similar to you, I wear a lot of other different hats as a online entrepreneur. Um, and as a, as a new mom, and it's kind of hard to answer that question. Exactly. (laughs) Who am I, especially in this, this last season of becoming a mom? Mm -hmm. Um, but I guess at the end of the day, you know, I am me and I'm continuing to return to that. And that can be a little bit, interesting when you have historically given a lot of who you are, um, when you've historically put out to the world who you are and they kind of look for an update all the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I want to dive into with you today is the fact that it doesn't have to be all or nothing or black or white and we don't have to fit into these little boxes. I think that's such a conversation that can be so valuable for people because that is what our culture wants is for us to fit in boxes. And you and I, I think we have that in common. We don't want to be put in a box. <laughs> um, you know, we want to be able to be multifaceted and enjoy a variety of things and not have specific labels. And I actually wanted to start off by reading one of your Instagram captions that you recently posted that really resonated with me. And I think a lot of people will benefit from hearing some of these words. So I'll just kind of quickly summarize it. But basically you said, 
Unpopular opinion. We don't have to fit neatly into boxes. We don't need to label the way we think, eat, and move. We don't need to choose concrete sides. We can just be, form our own thoughts, honor our own needs, and stay true to who we are. People struggle to understand me because I'm hard to define, categorize, and find a place in their mind. I'm okay with that because this allows me to live from my heart, free of fear, and make choices that fit me the best in the moment without noise impacting my ability to think or best serve myself. I had an unmedicated birth by choice, and I take medication for PPD. I love alternative and Eastern medicine, but I deeply respect Western medicine too. I'm a nutritionist by degree, but I talk about a lot of other topics as they are also relevant. I believe we as women can love ourselves and also wear makeup or have cosmetic procedures and enhancements as we please. I love lots of food that is technically vegan, but I'm not a vegan. I think food can be medicine, and yet I don't think that makes most junk food poison. I believe that is what this world is missing, permission to not be defined, permission to explore, permission to learn, to be, to think, to show up for ourselves that day without being afraid to leave our designated box. So I just love that so much because like you said, it doesn't have to be one or the other, black or white, and we don't have to put these labels on ourselves. And I think especially as dietitians, both of us, we obviously believe that nutrition can be very powerful, but we don't think it's the absolute most important thing. And we like the fact that once you make peace with food, you realize how many other things in your life can matter and do matter. Um, And it can significantly enhance your relationships with other people, but also yourself. Um, So can you speak to how you got to this place a little bit? Did you always have a healthy relationship with food or is that something that you struggled with? Um, Thanks for reading that post, first of all. Um, (laughs) I feel like, can we like go back to that for one second and then go into that? All right. Yeah. Absolutely. That that post was very loaded. And I think you really picked up on a lot of the things I was trying to say. And Mm -hmm. I think each person reading it, I hoped kind of would take the part that they needed. I hope that the person that's feeling confined by veganism, even though it worked for them for a long time, would understand that they could also still enjoy lots of vegan food, stay true to their values, if that's a big one, but also honor those other callings in their life. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I hope that that it could just kind of expand people's minds because I think bigger than even that post, which was about fitting into boxes, I've come to really see in the past two years of this pandemic that in the social media space specifically, that people are really looking to put things into good or bad boxes and put Mm -hmm. people into good or bad boxes. And I'm sure I'm guilty of doing the same. This is kind of how the mind works. You want to figure out somebody fast. You want to know if they should be canceled or elevated. You Mm -hmm. want, you know, like it's a very cutthroat social media world. And especially Mm -hmm. as younger generations are coming in, they have really strong opinions without understanding. I feel like the greater context of the world, the gray area. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to constantly be reminded of that gray area so that we can honor our own needs in the moment. Uh, You asked, you know, my relationship to food and, you know, it really stemmed from gravitating towards veganism when I was much younger in college and thinking I had it all figured out only to learn that I had just basically cut out a lot of foods that made me feel safe. 
Um, if you're anyone in this podcast, I'm sure they're familiar with you is familiar with disordered eating, but at the time that word didn't exist, you know, I was vegan because it was healthy and, um, you know, I, nobody in my life even called me out for perhaps showing disordered eating behavior because Mm -hmm. it was always under this guise of health. And I live in a very privileged body. I'm thin. I've always been thin. There was no drastic weight loss associated with my healthy eating behaviors. And so that was kind of my foray into disordered disordered eating Mm -hmm. and understanding, you know, I'm, I'm 10 plus years away from being a strict eating vegan, dietary vegan, I should say. And yet people are always asking me, are you vegan? Are you vegan? Because I eat lots of plant-based products. I think the vegan food space is incredible. I think there's so many creative chefs out there doing talented things with Mm -hmm. nuts and seeds and the taste is, you know, this is important for people with allergens or food intolerances. But I also think that from like a culinary curiosity place, it's really interesting place to explore. So being able to be both in this world is something that I think people really struggle with. And then they double down on what they think they have to be, whether that's choosing to be vegan, whether that's a religion that they, um, you know, are born into. I know that one's probably very loaded and I shouldn't even step on it here, <laughs> that's okay. but um, I'll, I'll use, I guess, um, I'm sure a, a controversial topic nonetheless, but in that post, I mentioned cosmetic procedure. Mm-hmm. You could have put cosmetic procedures and also still love yourself, right? Like right. this is a really, I'm sure controversial. Polarizing. Yeah. <laughs> This is a really polarizing topic, but I know in my own experience that my own self-love journey and the cosmetic procedures that I've had, I've gotten breast implants when I was um, 18 years old, which was pre my self-love journey. But I I know that I didn't put those in to love myself Mm -hmm. and yet the world you know, has a really hard time digesting that one can preach about body love when they've made um, changes to their own body. And, mm. and again, this, this conversation is super intricate and I'm just kind of scratching the surface here, but there's a lot more to all of these conversations. And in order to learn how to best serve yourself to get that breast augmentation or not, you need to get so clear on why you're doing those things in order to avoid the noise, the self-judgment, the being afraid of what other people are are going to think about you um, so that your decisions are really rooted in what is best for you. Exactly. I think that's so important is asking yourself the intention behind it, whether that's, you know, getting Botox or doing some sort of cosmetic procedure or also certain eating choices or exercise choices. Really getting curious about the why can really be so helpful in, like you mentioned, kind of going back to some of those disordered eating behaviors or disordered exercise behaviors that are often glorified by our society because people think that they're quote unquote healthy and they don't question them when someone is in a body that is viewed as healthy in our society, which we know that weight does not equal health. And there are people in thin bodies who are maybe not so healthy, whether it's physically or mentally and emotionally and vice versa, people in larger bodies who have great health. Um, And so weight does not define our health status. And that's something that's unfortunate that our culture very much categorizes people based on the way that their body looks and that their body weight is and something that we obviously have a lot of work to do in that area. And like you mentioned, no one ever called you out 
for disordered eating behaviors because you did live in a thin body. How how did you kind of work through that and get to a place where I guess maybe you were able to identify, okay, the way that I'm eating maybe isn't serving me in the best way. Maybe I'm not getting the variety that I need or I'm having anxiety around certain types of foods. Um, how long did it take you to get to that place of discovery of wanting to kind of heal your relationship with food and how did you uh, move through that? I get this question a lot, obviously, as I do help people mm-hmm. heal their relationship to food and learn to live peacefully within their bodies. But people are always kind of looking for a quick story mm-hmm. as to how right. it happened. I think the hardest part about this, this story being concise is that when I was going through it, the word disordered eating didn't exist. Somebody eating healthy was just somebody eating healthy. It was something that we applauded. There were no boundaries within that where where you would say, okay, maybe this person's a little bit obsessive. You would more, I was often more applauded as to how can I be like you? You're so disciplined, all of Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Um, So my journey really took many shapes and forms, but veganism specifically, and again, for anybody listening who is vegan, if you're vegan for the right reasons, going back to that intention, fantastic. Good for you. You know, that's totally fine. My husband needs a vegan diet and he has a very healthy relationship to food. But the way I was using it was as a cover to what I thought would make choices around food simpler. Mm-hmm. At the time, I was so overwhelmed going out to dinner or choosing what to eat for lunch because there were all these options and I didn't know what was good, what was bad, what could impact my body negatively. And so by going vegan, I had slimmed down all those choices Mm -hmm. and I had really made it a lot, quote unquote, easier for myself until it wasn't. And I think that that's something to really kind of just bring up here, because with any sort of new dietary lifestyle that somebody's trying out, usually it is really great in the beginning. And the Mm -hmm. beginning could be a week. It could be a month. It could be a year. It could be three years for a lot of people. When you make restrictions, it comes to a point where it's not working for some reason. You it's your birthday and you want to eat something that's no longer vegan. That was in my instance, you know, Mm -hmm. or you, you all of a sudden are having a craving for eggs or something else is is calling for you that never did before you run into a roadblock there where you're like, what now, but I'm Mm -hmm. a vegan, but I can't have that because I'm vegan. Then who will I be if I'm not vegan? And the longer this train runs, the longer you're rooted in this identity and you're afraid to leave it because that is who you became. Mm -hmm. So my first inkling as to something being wrong. Again, the word disordered eating didn't exist. Nobody knew really what that was, was just that I was having obsessive thoughts about food. I couldn't stop thinking about food all the time. While I was having breakfast, I was having lunch. While I was having lunch, I was thinking about dinner. Um, When I was going to bed, I was dreaming about breakfast. And you might think like somebody who has some sort of an eating disorder or disordered eating situation doesn't think about food so much because they're trying to control it, but it's quite the opposite. It's on Mm -hmm. their mind all of the time. And it was a very isolating experience because I could, you know, I was in college and so much of my life revolved around mealtimes. I ate alone for most of college, even though I was socially very um, normal. I think most would think, you know, I ate at Whole Foods every single day and I happened to love vegetables and foods that are available at Whole Foods, but I wasn't able to also go to the bagel place where people would get lunch or get a sandwich yeah. at the sandwich shop. You know, mm-hmm. I had my routine that made me feel quote unquote safe. I probably, you know, wouldn't have used those words, but it's funny because looking back, we do all these things for safety. Like this makes us feel okay, but we're still not okay. We're running so anxious at the Mm -hmm. same time because we are disconnected from actually using our body's wisdom 
to guide us. I mean, this is all stuff I know now, not mm-hmm. stuff I knew then, mm-hmm. but my, my first wake up call moment was I can't sleep. I'm thinking about food. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember seeing, seeing a therapist. I've been going to therapy my entire life, like different therapists over the years for different things. So even in my 18, 19, 20s, you know, it wasn't so crazy for me to see a therapist. It was kind of like, okay, something, I can't figure out what's going on. I'm going to see a doctor. And I feel very privileged and, and happy that my family always viewed therapy in that way. And that, of course, it was accessible to me in addition. I remember me telling her these symptoms and her being like, this sounds like anxiety. Take an anti-anxiety pill. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, that, that's interesting. <laughs> oh, that's a simple solution. <laughs> You know, it is because she missed the tiny dot on the screen. Like she mm-hmm. didn't know about it, but mm-hmm. she did pick up on a bigger part of my life, which was anxiety, which has displayed itself in different ways over the course of my life. Mm-hmm. And having somebody say like, what you're experiencing is real was actually very validating. Yeah, at the time. absolutely. For sure. Um, but it wasn't until a year or two after that, and maybe because I was on anti-anxiety medication that I was able to really face that it was no, it was more than just a choice to not eat foods that weren't vegan. Mm-hmm. I was petrified of consuming the tiniest bit of something that wasn't vegan. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if cheese was on my salad, I'd send it back. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very, very, very inflexible with foods that I knew that I could have a better relationship with. Mm-hmm. So I started to challenge myself um, and incorporate dairy and cheese was specifically like the big fear food for me mm-hmm. and allow them to kind of be and re-explore them a bit. As it turns out, I actually don't love dairy. Uh, very few times do I think it really adds to my own personal experience. I get like a weird aftertaste after, but I really love that I can be flexible with it. You know, Mm -hmm. I had convinced myself, I think at one point that I was lactose intolerant. I'm not. Um, (laughs) I can consume dairy in at least, you know, normal, small, normal quantities. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love being, being flexible when I am curious, when I'm at a restaurant and there's a meal that has cheese and I get to ask myself, do I want the cheese or do I not? Rather than it has cheese, I can't have it, um, you know, black or white kind of Mm -hmm. answers there. So Again, my relationship to food really went through various journeys of veganism to clean eating to all these different things that were popular at the time, way before social media was talking about disordered eating. Mm -hmm. And I think that I have to actually credit yoga as a big part of my journey Mm -hmm. that connected me to parts of myself I didn't know existed. When you're so tightly controlling what you eat and how much you eat and when you eat, you lose touch with the parts of your body that communicate exactly that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like people have times that they are allowed to eat. They either snack or they don't snack, whatever that is. They could have one cup of cereal and that's it. And one cup of milk, they measure it. You know, there's so many things about what, when, and how much to eat. Mm -hmm. And when I started practicing yoga, and I mean like really practicing yoga, when I fell in love with the practice of yoga, I started to realize that my body could communicate and communicate brilliantly and I could trust it. And it wasn't immediate at all for anyone mm-hmm. like listening. It was <laughs> incredible, but it does take a little bit of, of getting into. Yeah. 
And, and that really began to show me that there's something more than what we've been taught. Again, I went to grad school for nutrition and I learned so much that only reinforced that we should be controlling what, how much, and when we should eat. Mm-hmm. And then here in my real life, I was starting to really recognize, wait a second, the body can do this if we give it a chance to, to do that, yeah. to connect with food in a different way, to connect with our bodies in a different way. And once I explored and felt that for myself, I got to experience life in such a more free way Mm -hmm. that I had no other choice but to redo how I conduct business. So once I became a registered dietitian, I had to kind of table a lot of what I'd been taught and lean into a lot more of what I'd experienced in order to help people in the bigger way that I knew to be possible. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So many good things there. And I, I was taking notes as you were talking because there's just so many good things that you touched on that I think so many people will hopefully benefit from hearing. And most importantly, like you said, for anyone listening who is currently in that space of having anxiety about certain foods, we've both been there and we are now coming from a place where we can truly say you can trust your body you can listen to your body's wisdom and make choices that serve you without stress and anxiety. But it is so hard when we have all of this external noise constantly telling us what, when, and how much to eat. And it's really easy to want to grab onto all of the different things that we're seeing on social media and, you know, what your friends or coworkers are doing and, oh, they're having success with this and that. Um, and like you mentioned as well, a lot of people do lean on specific diets or types of eating as kind of their identity. And it it is a huge piece of people's identity these days. They're, they say, oh, I do, whether it's intermittent fasting or keto or vegetarian or vegan, it becomes a huge part of who they are. And they are oftentimes very proud of that, which is fine. It's perfectly okay to be proud of you know, this or that, but also, again, checking your intention behind it and asking yourself, okay, is this serving me? Is it giving me the ability to explore and be curious and adventurous with food and go to a restaurant with and get a salad with cheese on it? Or I remember that brought me back to days when I struggled with disordered eating and my husband and I would go to breakfast and I would order a, an egg white omelet. And if they forgot to make it just egg whites and it was actual eggs, I would have an anxiety response. And oftentimes I would send it back because I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't possibly eat the whole egg, right? And it's just now reflecting on that is is truly wild just to think of that time in my life when when certain foods did cause so much anxiety. And so my heart goes out to anyone who's in that place because it it can be so all-consuming. Like you said, for people who are struggling with food, it is something that you are constantly thinking about. You're constantly thinking about your next meal and what you can or can't have, especially if you're tracking food. You know, you're you're often calculating exactly what you're allowed to eat throughout the rest of the day. And so it it is really hard to have mental space for literally anything else. Um, so I appreciate you sharing that whole journey and kind of coming full circle. And, and like you said, it's an ongoing journey because other things come up in our lives that kind of throw us for a loop, such as pregnancy and postpartum and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So how has your journey throughout this past year and a half, I guess, throughout pregnancy and now you're about, what, six or seven months postpartum? Yep, seven months, yep. So how has that impacted your 
relationship with food in your body throughout? Did you struggle at all with with body image or food during pregnancy or did you find that it, that you were better able to kind of tune into your body during that time? Body image, I did not struggle with. And, I, you know, I, I guess the podcast. And again, I just want to acknowledge the thin body that I live in, even mm-hmm. as a thin pregnant woman, mm-hmm. you know, I've always had clothing sizes accessible to me. Um, right. So body image wise with pregnancy was really interesting because it was actually, I think the most beautiful and proud of my body I've ever kind of felt. I felt mm-hmm. the most connected to it. Mm-hmm. Um, what I have loved, I'd say the most about pregnancy and postpartum is how primal it is. You cannot ignore urges, cravings, all of that. It really strips us of all that the modern world has us doing, living, being, you know, and all of a sudden, whatever you want, you need to do and you figure out how to do it, whether yeah. it's, you know, finding a bag of salted pickle chips, you know, or <laughs> yep. even, even, I don't know what, where your podcast kind of is on this, but like also <laughs> like sexuality wise, like yeah. during my pregnancy, I was very, a lot more into it than I, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, than my normal baseline. Like, yeah, I was the, too, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's not necessarily that I want to be like, anyway, I guess I'm not sure where your podcast is. No, feel topic. free. I, I want to talk about all the things, <laughs> especially I, for moms. Normalizing these topics I think is so important. Okay, cool. So yeah, go for but it. I haven't talked about this stuff because, you know, again, I don't know where people stand on it, but yeah. I think that sexuality from a female perspective, like take the male out of it for a second, like not doing it for the men or anything like that. It, it was just such a reconnection to everything that we are programmed to do mm-hmm. that we silence mm-hmm. and it's so loud. And, um, I really loved, I loved how on, from a food perspective, how my body communicated with me, what, how much, and when it wanted food postpartum as well. I felt that, um, it, I also had those, those strong primal, uh, callings from my body. You know, a lot of people, especially if you're breastfeeding, you have increased bouts of hunger and thirst. Like you're literally mm-hmm. just an, an animal, you know? Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but the difference, I'd say, the difference for me between post pregnancy and postpartum, take away the first trimester where I literally just lived on rice, mm-hmm. uh, white rice and soy sauce really got me through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I took, I ate a quite a healthy diet in my pregnancy because I love healthful, real food. Like I would, I'm not labeling it as healthy because it says healthy on the outside, but I love right. real food. I felt, I love feeling connected to nature through food. I love food that's cooked with love, you know? So I ate what most would consider, most would probably consider a very healthful diet with intention, thinking about my nutrients that are necessary for growing a child at this stage, you know, blah, blah, blah. Postpartum on the other hand was like, eating whatever you could get your hands on in that mm-hmm. moment, you know, without having to think so much about food yeah. and the, the ability to be so flexible with what I ate was really a testament, I think, to the work that I've, I've done. Mm-hmm. Um, and never, ever did I feel guilty. I haven't felt that word around food in a very long time. Yeah. Never did I feel guilty or fearful for, eating a certain way, a certain amount at a certain time or a certain thing during that stage, because I knew that I was doing the best that I possibly could with the new circumstances 
that I was thrown into. Yeah. Do I prefer to have a seated meal that I put a little bit of time to think <laughs> about what ingredients went into it? What would make it taste good? Sure. But is sometimes yeah. like eating crackers with like whatever sort of leftover dip in the, in the fridge, you know, mm-hmm. available to me. Like it was just really cool. I think to, to not care so much mm-hmm. about what you're eating and yeah. just eat to get by because mm-hmm. you're so focused and consumed on raising somebody else. And, yeah. you know, that's coming from somebody who at one point couldn't sleep, couldn't go out to meals, could had said no to dates for, you know, going out with girlfriends because I was so consumed on the what to eat to mm-hmm. have the, what I'm eating be so minuscule in my day is just really, really cool because it shows me that my values are really clear and I can show up for myself in that moment the way that I need. Okay, quick break to talk about a brand that I love and that is Daily Harvest. They have everything from ready-to-blend smoothies, savory harvest bowls, hearty soups, oat bowls, and my personal favorite, their bites that taste like legitimate raw cookie dough. So good. All of their products are packed with delicious fruits and vegetables and other whole food ingredients. They come frozen so you can just pop them in the freezer and easily grab a quick meal or snack whenever you need it. Whether you're a busy mom, travel for your job, or whatever the case may be, this can make it so much easier to get those nutritious foods in in a way that actually tastes good. You can pick your products and cancel your subscription at any time, but I definitely recommend giving it a try. I have a post on my website at wellnessforthewin.com highlighting all of my favorite products, and you can also use my discount code wellnessforthewin to save on your order. Okay, back to the show. Yeah, and I think that's so helpful for people to hear because there is so much pressure we want to eat in a way to support a healthy pregnancy. We want to eat in a way to support our bodies during the recovery process during postpartum. However, we also have to be realistic with all the symptoms that we're experiencing, whether that's nausea or whatever it may be during pregnancy. And then postpartum, especially in those early months, yes, you're surviving. You're sleep deprived. You're starving a lot of the time. You don't have the time and the luxury of preparing you know, elegant meals and sitting down for a mindful <laughs> dinner every single exactly. night. So giving yourself that space to be flexible and have that freedom because that is something that so many women do struggle with is postpartum, hopefully not within the immediate postpartum period, but after a few months, it's like, okay, now I'm ready to lose the baby weight. You know, there's that so much pressure on women to quote unquote bounce back, which I'm super thankful because I do feel like we're seeing a little bit of a shift away from that and less pressure and giving women more permission to be in their bodies as they should be. But obviously, as we know, there is still a lot of that messaging out there on social media and just a lot of pressure that women do continue to face. So that will be helpful for hopefully for women to hear is please give yourself permission to eat the foods that best serve you in that time without stress, without guilt, um, without shame, because you have to do the best that you can do. Um, And kind of with that, I wanted to, to have you speak on a little bit I know you have your program, Fork the Noise. Like you said, you kind of help women work through healing their relationship with food. And how do you speak to them about, you know, not only improving your relationship with food, but also bringing in that nutrition piece, you know, kind of that gentle nutrition and teaching about these foods are beneficial for your health. They provide valuable nutrients that you need um, without glorifying certain foods and demonizing others and teaching that that balance component that obviously everyone could really benefit from. Yeah. 
Forth the Noise is about real tools to listen, honor, and trust your body. Like the name says, there's a lot of noise going on all the time. Mm-hmm. Outer noise and inner noise is kind of how we categorize the two. Inner noise being that voice in your head mm-hmm. that's berating you, that's doubting you, that's feeling fearful. And outer noise being what everybody else is doing, as well as just the societal norm of what's going on. And the first part of of really understanding forth the noise is knowing that we can't ever get rid of the noise. There's always going to be your, you know, mother-in-law that walks in the room and makes a comment about what diet she's on because it's working or literally a stranger. Like people are always talking about what they're eating, what they're doing, what's working, what's not. There's always Mm -hmm. triggers going on. So forth the noise is not about changing the rest of the world. It's about changing yourself. And that starts with recognizing what the noise is noticing that voice in your head. So you brought up like postpartum and don't get me wrong. Like I I know to most people, they look at my body and think that I bounced back. And again, I've always been in this thin body. I still don't fit into my old jeans, which is, is fine. But when I go to get dressed, it can be certainly a little bit frustrating. Right. Mm -hmm. And especially when it did kind of seem like I was heading back in that direction. And now my body, I guess, is maybe moving in a different direction. And I'm able to kind of like flow with that rather Mm -hmm. than judge it. Because when that frustration began to arise in me, I was able to notice that voice in my mind. And it was so unfamiliar to me, that negative voice. That's like, how do your pants still not fit? You know, Mm -hmm. like, should you be doing something for your pants to fit? Are you doing something wrong here? You know, um, I was able to notice how, how stranger that voice sounded because that's not my inner voice anymore. Right. Um, so fork the noise is about food, but it's also about self-compassion and mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And these are tools that most of us aren't equipped with or given, you know, we, Mm -hmm. we graduate college with very little knowing about how the mind works and how we can improve it to be our own best friend. Like that's kind of the, the phrase that I use a lot and it gets me through my hardest days because at the end of the day, we have to be our own best friends. We have to advocate for ourselves. We have to be kind to ourselves. We have to notice when that devil voice, as I call it, kind of pops up and tries to steer the ship that there's something else going on there. And we can like tend to ourselves. We can nurture ourselves in those moments rather than like slap on the wrist, cut it out. Don't talk to yourself more like, Hmm, that's an interesting way that you're talking to yourself right now. Why are you being so hard on yourself right now? You know, what is, what is the reality of the situation? Because when fear comes around, we, um, fear of our bodies changing fear of, of whatever there's, there's something else going on there, which is, is something that, that needs our, like a hug, right? Like mm-hmm. we need to know that we're safe, that we're okay, that we're loved, that we're valued. And if we can provide that for ourselves, we begin to develop a very strong sense of self-worth and self-confidence that far beats what your self-worth or self-confidence will be like, even if you get that perfect body and you're on the perfect diet, right? Yeah, yeah. So Fork the Noise uses what I call modern mindful eating and it's real tools to listen, honor, and trust your body. By using mindfulness, we quiet that noise around us and we reconnect to what's already within you, Mm -hmm. that your body is always communicating with you. And as much as you and I can tell people that until they experience a whisper of that themselves, 
they don't believe it because mm -hmm. how many times have they said, you, okay, I trust myself. I'm going to have a piece of cake right now only to then eat like, you know, all of the cake and then everything else in the pantry. And then see, look what happens when I allow myself to eat the cake or the dessert or whatever it is. Right. Exactly. Yep. Because you're not actually learning to listen to your body. Mm -hmm. You're just trying to be okay with the food itself, but you haven't done all the unlearning and the relearning, the reconnecting that is absolutely possible. But once you're in tune with your body's sensations, the way, once you understand how it communicates, things really, really change. Um, you asked me about nutrition and in Fork the Noise, the first thing that we actually do is go over nutrition 101. Okay. We teach people what a fat, a carb and a protein is mm -hmm. because once you actually know that information without the fear mongering around it, mm -hmm. you understand that they all serve a purpose. Like going back to your egg white example, right? Like yeah. you were terrified of the yolks because yep. of the fat, because of the calories. Mm -hmm. But what if we learned what calories actually do once they're inside of our body? What provide if provide energy? <laughs> right. Provide energy, of course, but do provide so many little functions throughout our body. Right. Yes. And those healthy fats, if we understand how they cooperate with our bodies to um protect us against so many things, how they help us feel full. If we understand that, how important these things are to fullness and satisfaction and all mm -hmm. of that, we recognize that by removing them from our life, we're missing a huge part of the puzzle where we're never going to be okay with eating anything because we've just stripped it down to be so basic, so bland and so out of touch with what our body actually needs. So I believe that our bodies are incredible communicators for what they need. Yeah. And foods like an egg, like, you know, whatever it is from nature, from the earth, whether you're vegetarian or not, like our bodies know how to digest these foods. They know exactly what to do with them and they need them and they need enough of them. Yes. And once we truly believe that eating doesn't become this scarcity mindset thing anymore, we start to think about what can I add to my plate mm -hmm. to feel amazing, you know, rather than what can I take away to lessen the quote unquote calories. When we understand that with calories comes nutrition, nutrients, vitamins, minerals, um, fatty acids, antioxidants, like all this stuff, all of a yeah. sudden food moves away from being the scary thing into this. Wow. I could have a fun, playful, great relationship to food. Mm -hmm. And that's half the noise, right? Like yeah. teaching people that. Yeah. And once they believe like, that's why going to school was so important for me, because once you understand the science of how food works in the body, all of those headlines about not to eat A, B, C, D, and E don't matter anymore. It becomes noise because you understand how carbs are digested, how fats are digested, how proteins are digested, the role of sugar in, in the diet, you know, all those things. And so I really love to empower people from the get go mm -hmm. to reconnect with food so that they can then reconnect with their bodies. Okay, I have to tell you guys about one of my absolute favorite things that I'm pretty confident that you need in your life as well. We're all on our phones for a large portion of every day, right? So why not make it easier and more comfortable to hold your phone or prop it up with a nifty little gadget? I'm talking about my love handle phone grip. I'm seriously obsessed with this thing. So it's a stretchy strap that you can put on the back of your phone, but you can still lay your phone flat or stick it in your back pocket. It also has a little kickstand on the back so you can prop your phone up, which is probably my favorite feature that I'm using constantly. It even has a super strong magnet on the back. They have tons of cute designs and you can stick them on any phone case. If you've been looking for something like this, look no further. Use my affiliate code wellnessforthewin for 10% off your purchase of Love Handle. All right, let's get back to the show.
I love that so much. And I literally just wrote a note about empowering people with the knowledge about nutrition. And so you just said that exact same thing. But I think it can be so empowering to have that understanding of how food and nutrition does impact our bodies and our physical and our mental health. And I think that's a big misconception that people see on social media. There's a lot about intuitive eating, mindful eating, all of these things. And I think a lot of people think that that means, okay, you have permission to eat pizza and cookies and cake all day long. And that's really not the case. And that's not to say that you can't or shouldn't include those foods, but understanding, again, how to get in tune with our bodies, how to trust our bodies, and figure out how to, um, like you said, have fun with food, be playful with food, experiment with different cooking methods, different types of food, um, whether that's going out to a restaurant and ordering something new and exciting or preparing that food at home. There are so many ways to make nutrient-dense foods really delicious as well. So I love that you touch on that nutrition piece as as well as how to put it all together with that self-compassion piece that's so, so huge. I think that was the biggest thing for me in kind of my journey to healing my relationship with food was that self-compassion that I think a lot of people are really lacking when they are struggling with disordered eating behaviors is that they can't give themselves that grace. It is a lot of guilt and shame around food and just having that compassion piece is is essential, I think. Um, and I love your uh, quote about being your own best friend. I think that's so powerful as well. When we really get down to it, just being kind to ourselves, you know, being really mindful about how we speak to ourselves and about ourselves, especially as parents now. You and I are both moms now. I think there's a whole new perspective now on how we talk to ourselves and how we treat ourselves through food and through movement and through self-care, whatever that looks like. And so I wanted to speak to that a little bit more. Obviously, we've touched on motherhood and postpartum a little bit, but I wanted to dive in a little bit deeper because you've openly talked about some of your struggles with your mental health postpartum, which is once again, one of those topics that is not talked about nearly enough, but it's something that so many women do struggle with. I personally have struggled with postpartum anxiety quite a bit. Um, I have gone to therapy for that, and I'm still honestly working through it myself. Um, and so you've openly talked about the fact that you're doing uh, taking medications for PPD. Um, so would you mind kind of touching on your journey there and when some of those struggles started to pop up for you? Was it immediately postpartum or was it something that showed up kind of later on and where are you in that journey if you don't mind speaking to that yeah for sure so um I do have history of what I call functional depression in the past and so I am familiar with those symptoms out the door of giving labor I feel like within the first few days I remember tears just flowing down my face and Evan being like why are you crying and I couldn't even tell him mm -hmm. why I remember feeling so anxious and so raw to the world like I I never felt as raw as I felt those first I don't even know what it was it was so blurry but let's call it yeah. 10, 10 days you know where yeah. every just just being alive you feel every bit of it, right? Mm -hmm. Like the pain and reality of the world when you've just brought a human into it, all of a sudden you're just carrying all that weight on mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. um, so I did feel it out the door. And then um, I think things kind of, you know, were finding their groove. That doesn't mean that I was not sleep deprived, really felt like I was struggling a lot more than, than most moms. Um, and like, I just couldn't do it. I felt very frustrated that I couldn't do it, especially because I have access to a lot of help and resources. I felt, you know, like that negative self-talk 
has been coming up for me a lot because of my frustration with not being able to get it together as more time goes by with having access, like I said, to people and resources and childcare and all that stuff. Um, and, and finding like, how, how can this be so hard when millions and millions of women and individuals have gone through this before me and with me and have a fraction of what I, you know, have available as help right now and knowing that things are good, but still feeling so stuck so alone and um you know just the the complexity of the emotions were were really really hard for me but i'd say the hardest part has kind of been you know like you said i'm seven months postpartum really hitting that six month marker Mm -hmm. and being like fuck this isn't getting easier yeah um i don't know you know i really thought that by three months my business and everything that I used to do would be back to normal. Mm -hmm. Um, And I definitely am working on that self-compassion piece when it comes to productivity, when it comes to, you know, all of it, Mm -hmm. because I'm, I'm trying, we moms are trying to do an impossible (laughs) job in a modern world. Yep. Being a, a, a mother is, you're, you're taken back to the 1800s, like (laughs) primally, you know, like where Mm -hmm. your heart is, where your soul is. And yet how amazing it is that we could also, that we do work and we, we juggle both, but it's a very, very difficult task to do. Um, and, and it's a, it's a very complicated one in not to mention a pandemic (laughs) where we really need the support of other women and it's, it's less available, but, Mm -hmm. um, postpartum depression has kind of snuck up yet stayed with me when I kind of expected it to get better. Mm -hmm. And it just came to a point where I said, I need help. You know, I need to go back to therapy and I need a place for, for myself. I need to take care of myself. And Mm -hmm. It has helped tremendously, but I also came to the conclusion that, you know, I've been on medication before. Mm -hmm. I'm proud that I have been off of it for some time and I've acquired new tools that allowed me to get off of it. But my Mm -hmm. mental health journey has always been, I will meet you where you're at, Lisa. And therefore getting off medication is just as much as an accomplishment as going on it. Um, So, you know, there's so much joy to be had when you are a mom and that those chemicals being out of balance really rob you of a lot of the beauty. Mm-hmm. And I was sick and tired of not getting a little bit more joy that I knew that I could have. Yeah. Um, and, and I started to discuss medication with, with my therapist again. And yeah, that's kind of, of where I'm, I'm at with it. And these are, are hard choices. I, especially like I said in that Instagram post, mm-hmm. I am a really confusing person to put into a box. <laughs> I, I, by choice had an unmedicated birth. I love feeling my body's sensations. And, um, I, that was an experience that I really wanted to go through. Mm-hmm. That being said, how it happened was kind of crazy and different than what I expected, yeah. but save that maybe for another time. <laughs> um, but I'm also so happy that medication is available Mm-hmm. to get me out of this ditch that, that I'm in right now, because I want to show up as not even the best version of me, but a the version of me that is me. And yeah. Yeah. I kind of lost touch with that over these last few months 
of Mm -hmm. all of it going on. Um, so yeah, the hardest part and and then the biggest surprise that I, I think, you know, I'd want any mom to kind of know listening is that we are expected to get back on the horse very, right. Very quickly within Mm -hmm. a few weeks to, to really be up and running the house again, to be doing all these things. And I really had no idea what a woman goes through after labor. And now I'm able to really see that women need to support women for a much more extensive period of time than just congrats, you had a baby. You know? <laughs> yeah. I feel very grateful that I've had the female support. Yeah. Um, but being six months out and still very much what I would call the thick of it. Um, I don't know if it ever gets easier from where I'm sitting, <laughs> yeah. but we can do things to help ourselves. Yeah. Well, I so, so appreciate you being vulnerable with that because I know you mentioned like some of your thoughts early on, like, why can't I figure this out when so many other women have I want you to know, and I I think you know this deep down, that so many women have the exact same thoughts and struggles. And social media makes it super hard to feel like we have our shit together because everyone else makes it look easy. And truly, behind closed doors, everyone is struggling. You know, I'm like going to tear up and start crying, but you are not alone. Um, this is something, it is freaking hard, like you said, especially when you're trying to run a business and you're trying to be a wife and be a friend and be a daughter and be a sister and be literally everything to everyone all the fucking time. It is exhausting and it's hard. Um, yeah, and I'm going to start crying, but you're not alone. (laughs) Um, I'm so grateful for you and this like secret society of women that were already moms that came before me that caught me, you know, and that I didn't <laughs> yeah. know you guys existed. I didn't know there was like this secret society that, that, that happens once you're a mom, but you know, from you, somebody who I've never met in real life to so many women that like caught me, you know, mm-hmm. and we're, we're so lucky to have each other. Yeah. But at the same time, I think it's too important to really remember that we're doing an impossible job in the modern world right now. Yeah. Um, and how, how awesome it is to be able to do all the things that we do, but it's really freaking hard (laughs) (laughs) on top of that and take out bounce back physically. We don't bounce back emotionally and mentally the way we're expected to. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and it's really important that we have these conversations, by the way, with our partners and with men in general, if you're, if you're partner isn't a male and, and, and your, your fathers, your, your, your brothers, all these things, because Evan's perspective has changed so much mm-hmm. now that he's listened, heard, witnessed it. Um, you know, he works with a lot of nurses who have babies and return to work within, you know, a couple of weeks yeah. and they're pumping and they're doing all these things. And he's like, wow, you women are, are heroes. You know, you think six yeah. months, the baby's doing fine at daycare, you know, mom's yeah. running the house easily where everyone's on this like perfect timeline. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case. Babies yeah. are sick all of the time. You know, <laughs> yeah. every, everything that, that can go wrong seems to always go wrong. Yeah. And yet you got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. So I think it's really important that we include men in this conversation, mm-hmm. not just to ask for their help, but to really not try and tuck away the mess, mm-hmm. um, to not show up as perfect wives, to not show up as perfect sisters or daughters, because that's the only way that systems can begin to change is when people recognize the reality of what it is that we're doing raising humans. 
Yeah. And that, that was so huge for me was finally giving myself permission to ask for help because that's something that I've always struggled with. I'm like, I got this. I can do everything. You know, I've just always been that way. And finally, it gets to a point where you're like, shit, I can't do it all. <laughs> you know, I literally can't do every single thing for every single person or freaking dog. Like I have two dogs snoring at my feet right now. And it's like when my baby wants something and they're scratching at my legs to get food, I'm like, I can't. So that was something that I really struggled with postpartum early on especially was a lot of resentment towards my husband. But a lot of the time it was because I wasn't just coming out and asking him what I needed from him. It was me assuming that he knew exactly what I needed him to do. And then when he didn't do it, I got pissed off. And so we just need to be better at asking for what we need. But it is really hard, especially in those early months. Sometimes you you can't even verbalize what you need. And so, you know, going to therapy or whatever that looks like, sometimes figuring out how to navigate your thoughts and feelings in your needs during that time can be really helpful too. But yeah, there's a lot going on. (laughs) There's so much going on. The sleep deprivation, like your thoughts are just like jumbled up. You've got that resentment. It's building. You Mm -hmm. just can't like, and it's a marathon because the baby does not like go on vacation for two days for you to like (laughs) (laughs) collect yourself, right? Like there's no collecting yourself from the moment that that the baby's born. And, And that for me, I feel like has been the hardest. Like I just need... I need 24 hours to reset, but you don't mm-hmm. get 24 hours to reset. You know, right. it just keeps going and the feeds and the poops and the diaper and the, da, 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 which yeah. I love. I love being a mom. If that didn't come through this interview, I, I apologize if we jumped into <laughs> like the darker parts. I'm obsessed with being a mom. I'm obsessed with my baby. I'm obsessed with feeding her and changing her diaper and all the yeah. monotony that, that it is. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard. And you know, it's not, hard. Exactly. Not, but it's hard, but, and it's hard, right? Yeah, like exactly. it can, it, it can be, it can both. be both. And it's also okay if you don't love being a mom or, or like all, you know, it's, it's all okay. But I just wanted to make sure that I yeah accurately shared my reality, yeah. um, which is, I love it so much. And it hurts my heart in so many ways to love so hard I know. and to be a protector and to figure out how can I love this person and then also love my husband and show him when there's literally nothing left of me. Yes. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's all of that. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's what I mean by we're doing the impossible, you know? Yeah, exactly. Oh, this has been such a good conversation. And I knew, I knew you would have so much good stuff to share. And again, this is the stuff that moms need to hear. Women in general, I think we've touched on things that so many people can hopefully take away the nuggets that they need to benefit them. And whether it's their relationship with food or their body or motherhood, postpartum, all the things, because we are all truly in this together. And just once again, I want to say nobody has their shit together. (laughs) We are all struggling in one way or the other. And that's not to say that we can't feel like we're doing great some days, but we're going to have those ups and downs and that's normal. You know, there's always going to be those different seasons of life that are going to be harder or easier than others. And um, like you said, it it takes a village. We have to support each other through it. And that's the biggest thing. We have to begin to lean on each other, whether it's our friends or our family or Instagram friends that we've made online. You know, we're all here in this together. So if that's hopefully a takeaway that people take today, you know, it's to lean on others and support each other. And so I did want to give you a, a chance. Like you said, you obviously 
have struggled with a lot of things, but you also absolutely love being a mom. And so I wanted to give you a moment to, to touch on some of your favorite things about motherhood, some of your favorite things about solely specifically. And I want to finish off with obviously give you a chance to tell everyone where they can find you because I think they'll, after this interview, want to have more of you. First of all, what are some of your favorite parts of, of being a mom or of, about your daughter specifically? Um, I love how all-encompassing motherhood is. I think it makes you, you know, mindful and you have to be present. You know, when you're feeding your baby, that's all you're doing. And I Mm -hmm. love that carved out time to just be. When I can surrender to it, Mm -hmm. I am feeling so whole. Mm -hmm. Um, My favorite part about my daughter specifically is that that girl knows exactly who she is. I knew when she was in my belly, (laughs) I knew the way she came out, which was um, over a toilet bowl in four hours and two pushes. Um, (laughs) I was going to say, listen to her podcast episode about her birth story because it is crazy. (laughs) Yes. And she's, she just knows exactly who she is. and, And I admire it, especially in a season of my own life where I'm refiguring it out, you know, mm-hmm. seeing her, her know who she is. We all know who we are. That's the thing, you know, yeah. it's, it's my favorite thing about her, but um, we all know who we are. We just forget and we lose our way as life goes on. And, and I, I love her and her purity, just knowing it um, yeah. and going to where people can find me. I do yes. a bunch of different things like <laughs> you. Um, Lisa Haim on Instagram is, is my main Insta. Um, you can also listen to my podcast, The Truthiest Life, where I share parts of my own story and bring on guests that uh, share authentically parts of their journey, tucking nothing behind. I have a second podcast that I co-host called Outweigh, which is all about disordered eating. Um, so the truthiest life or outweigh are constant forms of content that I'm putting out at all times. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and my website is thewellnecessities.com, but it will be Lisa Haim <laughs> at some point, but so yeah. just go on Instagram and you'll find whatever yeah. I'm doing at that point. You'll find all the things. And I'll also put all the, all the goods in the show notes oh, as well yeah. for people to and, find. <laughs> and if you're interested in any of my courses for Yes. Awesome. Because like I said, you you obviously share so many valuable tips with people and can really help dive in a little deeper for people who need that extra support. So I love that you provide that as well. Um, and then lastly, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Can you think of any any good nuggets that have been shared with you that you want to um, give people? I think you've already given a lot of great advice. Oh, so <laughs> um, Yes, but there's a caveat to it. So the best okay. piece of advice that I've gotten is to say yes and figure it out. Mm. Um, and the caveat is, is that I am a lot more discerning with what I say yes to mm-hmm. and what I say no to, because if it's not a hell yes, it's, it's a no for me, Love that. Be- especially becoming a mom. You know, mm-hmm. we have a lot of stolen time. Yeah. That being said, if there is something that an opportunity or something you want to do, create, be part of whatever, um, I believe that people are often held back by their fear of not being able to do it, not being able to do it good or well enough. I think a lot of people are afraid to, to dive in. They're much more dipping their toes. You know, I believe that a lot of amazing things can happen from diving into things, fully immersing yourself, being almost naive and not having it all figured out before you possibly do it. Maybe even yeah. with motherhood too, you know, yeah. you can't, you can't prepare yeah. um, for everything. And I think there's a lot to learn by saying yes and figuring it out. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. I've always said when it comes to motherhood specifically, you could read all the books and take all the courses and do all the things, but nothing 
can truly prepare you for motherhood. <laughs> you just have to, like you said, dive in and figure it out. And um, that's kind of what I'm doing with my podcast. You know, I'm just doing it. And, um, you know, like you said, it's a hell yes from me. And I think this interview is the exact reason I'm doing this, because I think there's so much value that we can share beyond a still photo on Instagram with a, a limited caption. You know, these are the conversations that people need to be hearing and connecting with. And I just so appreciate all the value that you've provided today. And you are just one of my favorite people on the gram, truly, like I said, a breath of fresh air. So thank you so much for all of your time and your wisdom today. You are amazing. Even with a sick baby, you showed up today. You provided so much goodness and I appreciate you as a human so much. Thank you so much for having me and I'm so proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode and took away some tips or wisdom that you can apply to boost your health and happiness starting today. If you did, I would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and review to help other women like you find my show and get inspired to start living a life they love. Also, take a quick screenshot and share it to your Instagram stories. Be sure to tag me at wellness for the win so I can see why you love today's show. Thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time.